0: Welcome to The Eclectic Collection, episode 13. This is our Valentine's Day special a tad early, because Valentine's Day is obviously the 14th, but this is just when it happens to fall for us on our schedule. So we decided to do it a bit early, and we're going to call today's episode The Legend of Soulmates. I think it's an interesting story. I was told this by several, a professor. So I shall now share it with you. Um, so people back in the day—now you got to think Greek and Roman times, okay? So back in the day, people existed as a two-headed, eight-limbed creature, and they allegedly wandered the earth, particularly on beaches for some reason. I guess because beaches are fun and romantic, and they were all sorts of happy, and everything was great, and they wanted for nothing. And they had no cares and all was wonderful. Almost in a parallel to Eden. Everything was fantastic. They were totally self-fulfilled, self-actualized, totally in love and happy. And that went on for a very long time. Eventually, Zeus got incredibly jealous and annoyed. And he decided that humans shouldn't have been that happy. The gods should be happier. And that he wanted more people to get in the habit of worshiping the gods and making offerings to the gods so in an effort to get more tribute to the gods he strikes them with lightning and (laughs) splits them in half like my little sound effect there and the two-headed eight-limbed creatures now become a one-headed four-limbed creature and he leaves half of them the one half on the beaches in the ocean to wander around And he takes the other halves and scatters them with his mighty hand all throughout the earth, far, far away. And that was that. You were split. So it is said that people spend their life trying to reconnect with that other half, trying to find the other part of that soul that was severed. And that's where the idea of soulmates comes from. In the Greek terms of... um, androgyny, which andro-man, gyno-woman, putting that together was literally somebody that, uh, somebody who's androgynous, so they kind of have a a soft uh, possibility of of either characteristic or trait of gender. And the idea was that this initial human that was both um, had everything that it could want for itself. But then people, as they got split into two, Uh, the two become one as they say when you get married and they had to go find the other half in order to make that whole again so that's the story behind where it originated and it goes back that long it's an interesting tale because it makes sense it's practical and like all mythology there's usually some modern day reference or realness to what they were talking about and it's uh an explanation and practicality for our current reality so That's where the story came from, but it goes a little farther than that. I find it interesting, but in practice and example, it's always cooler. So I have this cousin and I would argue that, uh, he is probably as funny, maybe slightly less funny as me, but, um, always found him comical and he's definitely not a serious man. So he's older than I am. And, uh, Had this experience and I wanted to tell it. I actually got uh, sitting down with him and and his wife to say, Do you mind if I tell your story on the podcast? And um, well, they agreed to it. So, the way I see it, there's no going back now. So, thanks, guys. Anyhow, um, their story goes as such. It turns out that um, they went to different high schools, and um, my cousin had met this girl. She was from a local high school nearby, and they knew each other vaguely um, through friends. And that was that. They didn't really date, you know, hi, how are you? But I would say more acquaintances, really, at that point. And they really didn't spend that much time together. And then I guess in the early 80s, um, slightly post-high school or, you know, right after, uh, they had this nightclub nearby called Pulsations. And it was quite the the moment in the 80s because it had this whole robot thing that came out of the ceiling and lasers and lights and strobes. And that was all fairly new technology at the time. So it was a big draw to get people there. Quite the marketing ploy and it worked and it was always crowded and everybody went and um, they must have both been there and bumped into each other again. And he of course made some snarky comment or was his funny self and she wasn't having it and was, Oh, hi, how are you? But no. And I think the joke was he may have asked her to dance to Lady in Red, which is a great song by Chris Berg and a wonderful Valentine song. And backstory on that, he actually, to my knowledge, it's a one hit wonder, but he is a good musician. Chris DeBerg wrote that for his wife. Uh, pretty cool. And then they used it in countless soundtracks, but great song. Good Valentine song. Um, so back to the story. So he ends up, uh, I don't even think that she did dance with him. I think she kind of dismissed him, but they'd seen each other and it was like, hi, how are you? But that was that and then done deal. And time goes by. They bumped into each other a few more times by way of mutual friends or quite by accident, um, but nothing big. And there wasn't any real communication um, between them. But it was a little bit of, will they won't they, or at least implicated by some friends. And it was dismissed because he's not very serious and she wasn't about to take him seriously, so that was that. And that was a wise decision on her part, I think, <laughs> knowing my cousin. So after that couple casual bump in, see you, hi, how are you, but nothing comes out of it, my cousin ends up a uh, couple years go by and, you know, finds this other woman and he marries her. And, you know, it didn't work out and things don't always and he was married a few years but eventually divorces and um sees this original woman quite by accident because she was in a, a job not too far by and had ordered a pizza and my cousin and his family owned a pizza shop um and, you know, it was him. He happened to drop it off and go deliver it. And, of course, they reconnected. And, oh, hey, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. So they got to talking. And um, she asked for his family. And he said, oh, well, you know, I'm divorced now. That kind of a thing. And it's funny because nothing really came out of that but pizza. But because she knew him and she was in uh, that job. And I guess they had reason to cater or call for lunch every now and again. She would always ask for him. And... Steadily, pizzas start getting ordered or more uh, lunches for the crew start getting ordered and different food keeps arriving from the pizza shop and he always seemed to bring it. So that pattern starts and eventually, not right away, they keep kind of going on this only see each other at lunch situation. But again, not really dating, not really going out. And there's a little more banter between them. And of course, she still doesn't take him seriously, as she probably shouldn't. So from that point, eventually um, some repairs needed to be done at her work. And he is handy because he is the son of my godfather slash uncle, who, of course, worked with my dad and my other uncle, who, of course, had this gigantic... uh, drywall company for years and were very into being handy in construction and whatnot. So being the progeny of that, it was no problem. I'll help you out. So he goes in upon her request, I might add, to fix whatever it was that needed to be repaired. So it gave him purpose and cause to be there and around her a lot more, which eventually the job gets done. Everything's fine. But I think that maybe she saw something in him that she hadn't seen before or saw a different side of him or saw potential at least. So about that time, I guess the dating starts and they date about maybe six months or so. But the first date was actually the, um, interesting piece because it sort of sets up the connection to keep going to see each other futuristically. And that connection would be the movie Man of Honor, which came out in November of 2000. So that was the movie that they went to go see, which is funny because all I remember from that is Robert De Niro desperately trying to get Cuba Gooding Jr. Take, to take steps in a diving suit, and he had like an accident. It's, it's I don't know, it's like 42% Rotten Tomatoes. Do what you will with that. But I do remember seeing it. It was an okay movie. Um, So they go see it, and... I guess their big moment was that on the way home um, he actually gives her a kiss goodnight and she did not slap him across the face. So that's a big win right there. So he was in and then they were officially dating and I guess they dated another six months or so. And uh, he jokingly said one night, you know, I'll marry you if you want. And she brought that up and tormented about it, but it was more of a, a jokey suggestion than a reality at the time. He had left a message on her answering machine, because, well, that's all we had back in the day. And I think he was a closet romantic because he was allegedly super sweet on the message and yet always joking and couldn't be serious in person, which that makes sense to me knowing him. So eventually, it's a warm winter day and they decided to eat some water ice. I think there were icy pops out of the freezer. No big deal. Well, upon finishing said icy pop. My cousin says, uh, I really want some ice cream. She's like, you just had an icy pop. Why do you want ice cream? Now you're going to get too cold. It's still winter. He's like, I want ice cream and I want Rocky Road, which she happened to have in her freezer. So she's like fine and gets him the Rocky Road. He's difficult, of course, and she let him know it. And as she opens the Rocky Road to get him the ice cream, there's the engagement ring sitting there waiting for her. Kind of a reveal without having to actually ask. The more I think about it, hmm, that was uh, sneaky. Anyhow, so now they're happily married and it's been 18 years. Um, Those kind of stories, though, to me are priceless because it is a true explanation and example of that reconnect. Things don't always go the way you think they're going to go. Time gets in the way sometimes. Uh, You have, you know, a, a misfire of intention. There could be you know, bad circumstances in your life or location gets in the way, a job, whatever. And very often in my experience, the people that I've found that are happiest are happy because they were able to really know that they're with that significant other that is the other half. And I don't like that Zeus did what he did, but most people spend their whole life searching for that other half of their uh, their being, so that true soulmate. And um, if you knew them, then it makes sense and then understand that they do clearly belong together. And I don't have any doubt that they would be happy going on and, you know, till death was part for real. So it's really just a uh, uh, perspective, I think. Some people are uh, cynical about love and some people are uh, amb- ambivalent to it. And that's fine too. I mean, everybody teaches his own. But if you are looking for that other person, You never know where you're going to find them or when. It's not always who you think it's going to be. They're definitely not necessarily where you thought they were or even when you thought they were. Sometimes the answer is right in front of your face and you don't even know it. Just one high school town over and one pizza shop delivery closer and one ice cream scoop away. Happy Valentine's Day. If you're going to go in search of that soulmate, just remember that they're out there. Don't give up and look maybe in more obvious spots than you think. And remember that Pandora closed the box and inside the most important thing that she left was hope. So take that with you on your search because it might not be a long one. If you liked what you heard today, then check us out at the com or follow us on your preferred platform. I'm Terry Tunaglia. Thanks for listening.